Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. Welcome to our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. In today's episode, The Team. Mmm, so key. So key. You know what? Uh, my, um, I have a famous saying that, uh, well, not famous. I have a saying. It might be after this. Be, it might be after it this. Might be. And my saying is everything happens in between. Because uh, everything happens in between. I like that, and and, and uh, it makes such a difference. Uh, you know, probably I would say eighty five percent of my work is helping people understand themselves and each other, and then collaboratively figuring out how to work best. And when you get that right, you know, you and I have been on teams that are just so sweet. Um, the productivity, the 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 potential is significant. The quality and, of the work, uh, the quality of the experience, it's mm, all good. And we've been stuck in those other places where it's just like so not good. And you're going to talk about some of that stuff. But uh, you know, how do we how do we help enable uh, this beautiful creation called a team? I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And for me, the team isn't just a, a big group of people. It's also little partnerships as well, because my experience is a mixture of small teams and of uh, really good quality partnerships. Yeah, dynamic duos. You know, uh, most of the famous uh, uh, adventures uh, and adventures uh, have two. And, you know, I mean, you know, frankly, we talk about it even uh, where we are fortunate to have um, uh, life partners that are excellent. And you and I often talk about I don't know how we how they ended up with us, but uh, we are grateful that uh, the world, uh, the divine connection, whatever it was, brought us together um, uh, in uh, in from a personal perspective. They either took pity on us or we tricked them. Either way, I think something, but it's worked. And you know, like you know, you and I are both beyond the thirty year uh, um, yes. level. Yes, of uh, of uh, from our marriage dates, and uh, those are uh, yeah, pretty awesome. For sure. Um, listen, let's move along. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. We've both been managers or supervisors or leaders for a long time, and we've both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. In every episode, we're going to discuss a situation where we and others have missed the mark. We're going to start at the perspective of the employee and move on. We're going to discuss how we have observed others successfully manage these situations, learning points, and we're always going to have an underlying theme of a good discussion. So today, the team. You're working in an environment where you experience some or all of the following. You're paired up with another employee and are just taking care of business in a major way, and your boss advises he's breaking you up. You're part of a team that is so effective, and management advises that they're making changes and breaking up the band. You're stuck with another employee. It is just not working out. You're on a team that is flat, and while some work is getting done, the experience is nothing to write home about. Your boss continually moves people in and out of the partnerships and the teams. Just as you get settled, the change-up occurs again. Are there favorites whom the rules or expectations don't seem to apply in these situations? So, Greg, how important is this subject, and how does it affect our relationships and the work environment? Well, there are not too many people that work by themselves you're always going to work with somebody else and you're always feeding something into someone else. Yeah. You know, you, you're right. You do, but you also have connections with others that are currently in your, but, but it's still, you're an individual contributor. So you're pretty um, narrow in your focus, but I would say that, you know, 90% of people 
need to work with other people. Uh, and, and therefore this concept of, uh, really being aware of the dynamics and creating the space for maximizing the combination of that in-between stuff that we talked about in the intro, man, so powerful. Uh, and, and we, I've seen the other thing too, when, you know, when you couple those descriptors that you mentioned where things are just cooking. And then almost going back to last week's podcast, the disruptor comes in to decides that they think they've got to blow things up. Well, sometimes things need to be blown up, but other times you just need to kind of uh, support them as to where they're at. And, you know, the most uh, effective leaders are ones that uh, take time to observe and reflect and look at results and, and look at the uh, collective energy of the team and then uh, decide what they need to do. Sometimes you do need to, to, to break it up or add new energy or help people understand each other. But uh, this is really a key area of focus for leaders and the best places I've worked at um, not only focus on enabling releasing the potential of individuals, but equally spend time focus on enabling the collective energies of the group. Um, even if it's the pairs, as you said, it doesn't have to be large groups, but um, it's such an important uh, thing to focus on. I have benefited greatly in my careers, uh, working in really good partnerships and working on good small teams. And this is something that I've come to value so, so much. And even though I'm an introvert, I am a fairly loud one and I'm a five on the Enneagram. I actually thrive in a situation where I'm working with somebody else and we don't have to be social after work. It's just that we work well together. We understand each other and, uh, you know, we have a, a an understanding of how each other works and I've worked on really, really good, uh, team situations. Uh, as the leader of the team, as just a participant in the team, I have found that this has made it very, uh, a lot easier to deal with really heavy subject matter when you work in a really good partnership or a really good team. And occasionally I've been in bad partnerships. I've left bad partnerships and I've been on, not that often, but I've been on a couple of teams where it was just not good and I've had to make some changes. For me, for my quality of being able to work well, uh, in a good situation has always depended on working with the right people. And it's one of the most important things that I bring out of uh, all my experience through all the different jobs that I've done. Yeah, hundred percent agree. So, uh, let's get to it. Uh, as a manager or leader, what can you do to assist the situation? Do you understand your people and how they interact with each other? Yeah. So, so as you know, I spend, as I said, 85% of my time really helping leaders understanding themselves, understanding their people, and then collectively creating what which we call ways of working uh, normally in the process. And normally it involves some kind of assessment. I tend to personally think there is uh, an opportunity to get to know what I call the head, the heart, and the how. The head is, you know, what are the experiences that you bring? What is your your background, the diversity? This is where inclusion really is so, so, so powerful because uh, diversity is the, 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 the range of experience that you have because of where you're from, the school you, the courses you took, the places you worked, 
all of that is this beautiful head um, energy and information that can contribute to a team. Then there's the heart, which is my values, what I'm passionate about, what motivates me. That is key to help understand each other. And the thing, the last thing is the how. And often I'll use tools like Colby or the Enneagram to understand, well, how do I show up? Like, how do I innately work? Um, because if I'm working with you and you are a super detailed, you require facts and details in order to move ahead. And I'm someone who doesn't, we're going to get crunchy. Uh, and our differences are what makes really special, powerful accelerators for teams if we value each other and tap into each other when we need it. So I'm always a big believer in taking the time up front to understand because you know what? Uh, understanding each other and then valuing each other is the key. Um, is what is so critical. If you're a manager, boy, spend that upfront time, first of all, yourself, knowing yourself and others, but then creating the space for others to do it as well. Greg, I've been in just a couple, maybe a handful of situations where I've been put with somebody or with a group of people. And it's like, are you kidding me? Do you have any idea that this isn't going to work? Like we will all be professional and do what we have to do, but this isn't the best setup. And if somebody had taken a little bit of time and as you described, even just a little bit of thought about it, probably some different choices would have been made. But uh, uh, you said a bunch there, and I, I think the next couple of points are all going to fit in really, really well with that. How is work getting done with the current arrangements? So knowing your people, really, really important. And then understanding how is work getting done right now, because that will include both people and processes and how everything works together. And when you want to make a good decision about how to constitute a team, maybe it's a long-term team or just for a task uh, or, you know, the same with partnerships. How is work getting done right now and, and how's that all going to work out? Well, I think this one is really clear because, you know, we do know that clarity of roles and responsibilities is so important. I bet you probably over the last three months, I've done four pieces of work that is all around this. And usually what we do is we start with what's our shared purpose. What are we trying to accomplish? And then we talk about what are the key buckets of work as a team we're doing to deliver, to reach that goal, and then who's doing what. And whether you use RACI is probably the most common tool out there, you know, who's I've used responsible. That. I've used that. Yeah, you know, and there's a couple of different acronyms that people use, but RACI is probably the most common. But, you know, who's responsible for it? Who That's the person who does it. Uh, who's accountable for it? This is the person who makes decisions that kind of where the buck stops. Uh, um, C is for consulting. And this is meaning that, you know, before you do something, you got to consult me, you got to get my opinion and form. And I is inform, which means, you know, you don't have to consult me ahead of time, but you want to keep me informed. This is so powerful because it gets mucky and people don't know. People start at different times. People have different strengths. So not only is knowing how I work and what I'm passionate about, what I bring, it's who's doing what in order to accomplish the shared goal. Always start with that shared goal because that really helps us in collectively moving towards something. But then to your point, really understanding how best do we do it. And you know, once you know kind of individual gifts and strengths, that's a beautiful way to apply to that who owns what. Because if you happen to be someone who is just amazing at detail orientation work, then the parts of the project that are going to be, A, if you're really good at it and you love it, and then I I assign or we assign you as taking the lead on that part, guess what? 
you're going to be engaged because you're doing stuff that you love to do. And you're playing a big piece of a part of delivering something collectively. So it just makes so much sense. And I think, Greg, I'm going to put the next two together because I think they're complementary. But are there any policies or guidelines on how people are organized? And sometimes it's different, but what is the work culture of how people work together? So often we'll have a policy or procedures on how we're all supposed to work together. But what is the actual culture? What actually happens in the workplace when things are getting done. And I, I don't think those things are sometimes the same. Um, and you know, if you work with, uh, uh, like with a union or organized labor or anything like that, it becomes a little bit more complicated. So there may be policies and guidelines that you have to follow when you're constituting groups of people or, or, or maybe making changes within the workplace to get certain jobs done. And then you, you have to deal with that culture, right? Like how does that actually work? when you've put people in positions and uh, off they go. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is where I think it really is important, whether you're unionized or not. Um, if you start with what's our shared purpose as a team, what are we trying to create? Um, and people get aligned to that end result. Then it's a lot easier to have those conversations, who's doing what and how do we move forward? It's so powerful when you, when you, when you think through those things, like what are the guidelines? How are we going to move forward? What are our shared ways of working? Even with the tightest um, union structures that, I mean, like sometimes people, um, depending on how strict the rules are of the collective agreement, most of them are pretty loose um, in with regards to how we do things, how people are paid, you know, and those kinds of things are, are, are maybe more specific. But again, it's all about relationship. If you relationship and shared purpose, um, I have had fantastic experiences in unionized and non-unionized environments. Um, but you're right. It all comes down to what's the culture. How are we working together and and uh, how are we going to approach things? But those ways of working, those guidelines are so important to have. What's our shared approach? Um, it makes it so much more effective. I have a kind of a saying that I, I think I invented, but who knows, but it's called uh, the importance of being planfully quick. And planfully quick means as you're starting a new project, as you're starting a new initiative, bring the right people around the table and have this kind of conversation first. If you do it, and if you align and get consensus around where you're going and how we're going to work together, that does take time up front. And you think, I don't have time to do that. But boy, oh boy, it's the best investment you could make. Because when you don't have that clarity, it gets mucky and people fall into different areas and they start doing different things and crossing over each other and, and it becomes a mess. And how do you handle requests for people to work together or join or change teams? It's interesting when I when I was putting this together, Greg, I, I my mind went back to, um, I think it's almost 25 years ago. So I was a uniform sergeant. So I was a supervisor. I'd go on the road and there'd be 30 or 35 officers out there. And uh, I was responsible for calls for service and making sure everybody's okay and stuff. And before I went out, uh, we were on nights and we would had a, a few, if we had a, a number of extra people, we would put people out on special assignments. Uh, if there's been any problems that have been popping up. And so these people are taken out of the cars and often they'd go into plain clothes and just deal with some of the problems that we'd notice over the course of a week that were popping up. And then this was something that we uh, entrusted with more senior members, so more experienced members of of the platoon, because uh, it's a little 
uh, different than what they usually do. And many of these people had gone and worked in other offices and stuff like that. Anyways, um, that crew went out and, you know, I told the platoon that, Hey, listen, you know, listen out for so-and-so they're out doing something and they're in this area. So keeping an ear out for the radio in case they, they need some assistance. And this new guy came into the office after uh parade, which is just the meeting before everybody goes on the road. And he said, uh, you know, Sarge, how do uh, I get on that project? And so we sat down and I realized that maybe some of the junior members of the team didn't really understand what, you know, what the purpose of this was, was for. And I said, listen, you know, I appreciate your interest in this. This is something we get really experienced officers to do because they've done a bunch of tasks already in their career. And we're basically, you know, putting them in a situation to help solve a problem, which at times isn't, might not be well-defined. And we need a certain level of experience to do that. And then we talked about, it. I said, you know, listen, you're four or five months into your career. The first three years, you're going to be here with us in the cars. You need to learn this job. You need to learn how to deal with people as an officer. And I, we probably talked for about 20 or 25 minutes. I said, this is the expectations that you have ahead of you and the expectations that we put on you as well. But sometimes, you know, it's important for people to understand, you know, how things work within, uh, you know, an organization and, and how do you deal with, how do you deal and monitor who gets to do what? And is there rules? Is there expectations? And quite often people get really frustrated at work because they don't know what the expectations are. They don't understand why somebody else gets to do something and perhaps they don't. And it might be something that they really want to do or learn how to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is just the role of the leader, the manager, right? Is it's like an orchestra knowing who your players are and knowing when, you know, when they're ready to go on. But by actually knowing your folks, you will. And, and two things I think you pointed out there that are really important. One, knowing your folks. And secondly, creating space and openness for them to come and see you. Because sometimes you might not know. I mean, you try to understand what the people's needs are, wants are, experiences are, those, you know, head, head, head heart and, and hows. But but sometimes you don't know. But if you have an open uh, door policy uh, and they see something, they could come to you and say, hey, Sarge, uh, I want to ask you a question. And then the amount of trust you build up allows them to be OK with the fact that they might not be able to go on there for three years. But but then here's the pathway to get there. So, again, having that question is just so important. So you're right. Just, uh, you know, handling requests for people to join or change a team starts with knowing and being aware of what's happening in each of those teams what's the dynamics how are they working are you noticing anything different and creating a, an open safe space that people if they're they are having problems on a team they can come to you and talk to you or if they, they want to be a part of something they can do that as well and the next two i'm going to put together as well how do you feel things are going as a as a manager with the teams or with the partnerships that you have reporting to you and are you dealing with any problem employees? Because that really puts an extra wrinkle into a situation when you have somebody that maybe it's performance problems, maybe it's attitude problems. Uh, it really changes the dynamic and what's going on because we want everything to be smooth. We want people to work well together. We want people to be able to rely on, on each other and for the work to get done, good quality work to get done. So how are things going? And are we dealing with a problem employee, somebody that's having some difficulties? Well, you know, up front is this is where sometimes actually the best time to have the discussions are really up front before things start. So that that planfully quick stuff, 
actually having a discussion. I often will fo- will has uh, ask folks to let's talk about what happens when things don't go well because we're human and things will not go well at times. Something will do something. Someone will fall behind. Someone will say something. There will be crunchiness. So why not? while we're calm and just starting out together, talk about how we're going to manage manage the blips. The blips will happen. And if you see them, then you can call them out early and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to call. And I think we've talked, I guess, before. Sometimes people use the red card, the yellow card, you know, but that's that's a part of how they work together. So, you know, something's coming up that's a little crunchy. They'll pull the yellow card out and that says, oh, gee, I I stepped into something that I shouldn't have stepped into. I, I started doing something that wasn't my responsibility, whatever it is. Like the more you have it up front, the less it becomes about the person and the more it becomes about the process, which is a heck of a lot easier to manage. Mm. And But, you know, sometimes, Greg, I think we've both been in a position where all of a sudden, somebody's behavior, uh, uh, does come up and, and does cause a problem. And, uh, I think we're probably very similar. Uh, I might be a little bit more direct about it, but uh, although I've seen you really direct as well, but, uh, there's times when you as the leader have to be seen, have to actually deal with some issue and be seen to be dealing with the issue. Although everybody else doesn't need to know all the details and things like that. One of the things we're paid to do as a leader or a supervisor or whatever is the step in and and begin dealing with um the issue the person uh sometimes maybe it's just them they have an expectation problem or you know whatever it is often i find you know a certain percentage of these things are dealt with with a really just good frank conversation and and sometimes you have to tell the person that no what you want to do you know what you expect isn't going to happen and this is the reason why this is what we have right now and this is what we're doing but quite often you know most of these things can be dealt with with a conversation and hopefully the person, you know, okay, fine. I'm not happy, but that's fine. And they just jump in, they do what they have to do. And there's times when people leave and there's times when people get asked to leave. Yeah. You know, early on in my career, I was less, less brave in this space. And, and, uh, and uh, there were times when I know that they weren't bad people, but they were not great team members. And, and so there was this undercurrent that occurred and, and we got things done but what could have we done if we would have dealt with that front? And, you know, and the honestly, the more caring thing was to, I should have, I should have held those folks accountable a little bit more. Uh, I have uh, uh, an analogy about the elastic band, right? And I, I think I've shared it before is when you don't deal with something, the elastic band stretches and stretches and stretches and stretches, but at some point can't stretch anymore. And what happens when it's out there, then, then it snaps back. And that's often what happens when you don't deal with something early on, it just buries down. And then by the time you, when you do do it, you usually end up overdoing it. And then that adds further ripples to the team. So I'm with you. Uh, be aware of those problem issues. Uh, be uh, respectfully direct and courageous. Uh, I wish early on in my career, I would have been a little bit more. And what was your experience as an employee when it came to partnerships or teams? Greg, uh, I, I've just so enjoyed most of the partnerships and most of the team experiences that I've had in my careers. And I remember, I've probably mentioned this in the podcast before, but I was working with this person and we got along really well. We worked really well together. We were, we came from opposite disciplines and is an investigative unit. And, uh, we had done a lot of really good work. Now this is person like after work, we didn't hang out, didn't do anything. We had no, nothing in common outside of the job. 
and we got a new boss and in a couple of months she she came to us and she goes listen there's some new people coming in i'm gonna i'm gonna break up the band i said you can't do that so we're, we're we're too good we get too much work done uh i'm gonna ask you right now it can't happen um and you know she was insistent and i really like i really respected her she was just a top-notch person i said listen you can't do this you don't understand the job that we do here is very heavy and I've already had to break in like three partners and all my partners outranked me. I said, I, I, I just don't want to do it again. I'm in a good spot and you know, I'm already over time in this place and I'm, I'm happy to stay, but I don't want to, I don't want the band broken up. And, uh, she insisted, we had a really good conversation. She heard me out and she says, I'll just leave you to it. So I walked down the hall to another unit, which had made it very clear that they would have an open door policy for me. And I arranged a transfer and I went. And it's just that at that point in time, I think it was just really important not to take this team apart because we did like so much good work and good quality work. And we had a really good understanding for the subject matter. And, And so one of the things that I appreciate, you know, being a supervisor or manager is how important it is not to uh, be disruptive. There's times when you have to, you know, make changes, but if you don't really have to make a change, it, it's very disruptive if you make a change. And it sometimes causes people to leave or not be happy in their situation. And uh, I mean, I, I sound like, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit of a prima donna, but the, the subject matter we dealt with was so heavy that you really needed to work with the same, per, uh, like a really good person. Mm-hmm. And, and the people coming in, I didn't know them. And so I wasn't interested in starting up, you know, another, you know, one year process of getting to know somebody. And as a, as a leader, as somebody that, you know, was a supervisor, was a manager, that was always in the back of my mind. Alistair, make the changes you need to, but if you don't need, need to make a change and this thing is working, then if you have to make little tiny changes about things, do that instead, because it's very disruptive when you take people out of really good relationships. You know, I'm sure there's sometimes you don't know the fuller picture. And and so there may be a reason why they're doing it. But the more as a manager, you can provide context for the change is so key. And I mean, sometimes sometimes that the context might be, Alistair, I hear what you're saying, but we don't have a choice. This has come from a top and we've got to move forward. And here's the reason why they think it's going to be important and that type of thing. So as a manager, sometimes you got to provide context. I mean, the fact that they listened to you was a good thing. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like they really just, you know, they, they, they were prepared to either defend what, where you were at or, or, uh, you know, maybe there were some pressures, but when you can, you know, not to point fingers at the big bosses are doing it, but, you know, like even just to be clear that, you know, unfortunately, this is a um, beyond both your and my, you know, uh, level pay level, and and these are the reasons why they they think we are we think we want to do it, and so yeah, it's it's hard. No, in that situation, I got a full hearing. She was very clear about why it was going to happen, and then it just came down to was I, you know, what did I want to do, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know when I uh, asked for the transfer, knowing that it was going to be received on one end. You know, she was really gracious about it. It was really, really good. And, and like, I have no problems at all. I just didn't want to do it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it makes me sound like a prima donna, but I'd already spent over two years more in that unit than I'd signed up for. So I was good to leave anyways. But uh, so when I make decisions, one of the things I have to balance out 
is you know good effective teams that are getting things done and people are happy and, and let's not break it at the same time there may be something pressing there might be some urgency or need to do something else but just really giving a lot of thought to that and and, and making a good decision after you've taken in everything and had some good conversations mm-hmm. yeah that's for sure so as an employee how do you like to work and with whom uh, i don't know if people give this enough thought greg well, yeah, I was on a training course today uh, for the one tool I use, Colby, and uh, it was really interesting. They said uh, that one of the exercises was understand your circle. So who are the five people around you that um, that are you do most things with? And then think about what their strengths are and what they bring to the table. So this is a little bit of what this is, like really just, and I thought, you know what, it's such a simple exercise and um but it's a great exercise to kind of reflect around who's around me and uh, you know at work the same thing and what do they bring and what am i missing and what are they missing and just kind of um just kind of putting a plan together so i think this is a this is an important one and do you like uh partnerships or working in teams there's some people that just like to work by themselves and i'm cool with that and in certain circumstances that's me but uh, understanding what, you know, with whatever you're interested in doing and whatever you're actually doing, how do you like to work and how does that fit into the workflow? And, and uh, you know, last thing you want to do is throw some introvert into some, you know, dynamic team when they don't have the skills to be there and it's not really their environment to work as well. So uh, making sure you, um, uh, what you, you know what you like to do so that you can have a conversation when opportunities or there needs to be some movement. Yeah, and this is being proactive and talking to your boss and saying, hey, you know what, here's what I know about myself. And here's where I know I have the most greatest impact. It might be working on my own or working in teams. And here's why. And so I just wanted you to be aware of it. So if there are opportunities that fall into either A or B, that's where I'd love to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, my goodness, your boss would love you because then I have a you're proactively giving them a deeper sense of who you are and what you need to be fully engaged. That's a that's a great thing to do. And how's the company set up and how, and how do people work in that company? If you like to hang out at the office and chat at the water cooler and you're in a company that everybody works from home, that's not going to be as easy for you. So understanding how the company's set up and how people work within that company, it's probably a good thing to work out. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is really just how do you, you know, what's the culture of the organization? And it's so important to just understand how things work and and what is supported and what isn't supported and you know again that's your ownership as a team member of figuring that out sometimes we wait for stuff to happen to us that's never a good thing just kind of again it's know yourself figure out what you what what's the kind of environment that you can thrive most effectively and what is the environment of this organization and does it gel does it connect if it does beauty if it doesn't then you can either try to change it, which is often kind of difficult, unless, you know, in your small space, you may be able to do that, or you can change yourself. And if you have an issue or an idea on how work is done uh, or with whom, uh, do you feel comfortable bringing it to, to the boss? So in the earlier scenario, you know, a, a young officer came in and, and wanted to discuss who got to work on the special project team on the platoon. Um you know, how comfortable do you feel in going to your boss and say, Hey, Greg, uh, you know, in this podcast partnership, um, 
I have an issue. What do you think about this? You know, do I feel comfortable going to you, Greg, to talk about, well, in our situation, the podcast? Well, the answer is yes, of course. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, do you actually feel comfortable going to your boss and maybe giving some critical feedback or, you know, I have this concern or I have this idea? Uh, do you feel comfortable? And, you know, hopefully the manager, uh, supervisor, whoever you report to has created an open environment where you do feel comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, coming back to those three, excuse me, on our unarguable statements, you know, saying those three unarguable statements, which are, you know, I feel, I'm thinking, I'm sensing, what do you think? Um, that's a, that's a really safe entry point into sharing a perspective. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worried that, uh, um, we're not getting enough time together because we're doing here. I'm not sure. Is anyone else expressing that? Or is that something you're seeing? You know, those are great ways. All the, you know, if they can say, nope, and then you can say, okay, but I mean, find those, um, uh, entry points into sharing your ideas, because if you don't, boy, oh boy, again, it's like, it's, it's, you're not contributing fully if you're not saying what you're thinking, but it does, does reflect on the culture that the manager is creating. But even if you don't know what that culture is, try those three unarguable statements. Well, what's interesting about that, Greg, and I've, I've seen that approach used, used on countless occasions where I have a problem with it is when it doesn't elicit a response and there's no opportunity to have a discussion because you're saying that to enter into a discussion, right? And mm-hmm. I've I've seen it on a, just a few occasions where somebody's just done a drive by and said, you know, I you know this is what I think, and then walk off. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, let's have a conversation. So I love that approach, but it it has to be more fully developed. It, there ha- it has to elicit a response. It has to create an on ramp to have a discussion, and you have to be prepared to sit there and have that discussion. To use it as a drive by, I think, is actually very detrimental to the dynamics of, of whatever great, you're trying to do. That's a great point. That's a great point. So it's one thing to say this is what I'm this is what I'm feeling, but if you're feeling something, then do you have any thoughts around how to be prepared to engage in the conversation? Um, I that's a really good point. I've had in in a meeting recently, someone said the same thing. Like you know, just don't say, "Oh, this is what I feel." Well, that's fine. What you feel, and that's great. But but feeling towards what? What are you thinking about? You know, why are you even? So why, are you even why are you even telling me? Right, right, right. I'm sorry. That's me being very direct again. But but I, I love. All right. It. No, I think it's a good. I think it's a good bill. And do you feel comfortable going to your boss and with request to work with somebody or joining a team? Maybe it's a special team within the group and stuff like that. And this is something um, we've probably all done. This is something being prepared for that conversation with. This is why, you know, the pros and cons in your own mind of it, because uh, sometimes you have to admit the cons. You don't have, you know, a lot of experience in this area is a con, but, you know, the, 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 the antidote to that is, well, this is a great learning experience, but getting ready to have that conversation, just walking by and say, Greg, I'd really, uh, I'd really like to edit the, um, uh, the podcast today. Um, mm-hmm. rather than say, Hey, Greg, you know, I've been, you know, I've been playing around with this or whatever. And, you know, you know, having a really good discussion and and basically making a case, but a good full case, you know, anticipating some of the questions rather than just go by, Greg, I want to edit. Well, what do you do with that, Greg? You don't know. Hmm. Yeah, and you know what? I I often recommend folks a couple times a year just to reflect on where they are and what do they want, and and you know it's just actually having that thought process of kind of understanding that kind of prepares me to then my eyes to be open with different opportunities around me that that I I might see that might be able to uh, to go there. And you know what? 
I've had so many people, people that are peeved off when they don't get something or they don't get an opportunity and that type of thing. And often I'll say, well, have you, did anyone know? And they won't know, but they should have known. Well, yes, you're right. They should have known. And the best <laughs> leaders are more aware of what's going on, but it's a two-way street. And you need to also, if there's something you're interested in, um, you need to inquire and say, you know what? Hey, I've been thinking about this, that an area that I'd like to pursue is this, you know, what would I need in order to, to be considered a candidate for that? That's a great Absolutely. point. And, you know, and then, then A, they know, and B, you've got some advice on what you need to do in order to show up uh, for them to say, hey, you know what, it's Alistair's, he said this, and now he's doing this, and he's taking this course, and I think we should take a, take a, a risk on putting him in that role, even if he isn't fully there yet. I've only heard about it once or twice, but somebody went into a meeting with their boss because they wanted to work on something and brought a PowerPoint with them. I think that's flipping awesome. I think it's too much, mm -hmm. but I just think it's awesome. And, and you know, your thing about there is a very small minority of people that are sitting in positions that feel that they've been ripped off and haven't been given an opportunity. What you said really hit home for me is that how do they know? You, there, half of this is, is you. Like in this conversation, mm -hmm. you're responsible for your half of the conversation. So during a check-in, during a, an annual evaluation, during a three-month whatever you have, however it's formatted in your company, did you bring this up? Did you have a conversation? Did you plant the seeds of what you wanted to do? And, and then ask the question, if this is where I want to go in two years, what courses or experiences do you think I need to get there and, and are any of those here or do I need to go outside and mm -hmm. will the training budget uh, support that and, and have these conversations? Part of it's your responsibility. Yeah. And it's so good because if you've actually just said, Hey, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm interested in, you know, it, it sets a seed in your boss's brain and, you know, six months later they could be in a meeting and they're talking about something. And you know what, the, the way our brain retrieval works is, a similar topic is said, it pops in, it says, oh, who's, who was I? Oh, yeah, it was Alistair. Okay, yeah, I'm going to talk to him about that. And so it's it's just a lay the seed, man, lay the seed. Absolutely. And the next one, sometimes it's just your turn to work with someone or in a situation because of a business need or perhaps for a training purpose. And despite my earlier little antidote there uh, where I ended up leaving uh, one section to go work in another, I have taken my turn in, in working with somebody and uh, that probably I didn't want to work with. And I've been put in the situation as, you know, a, a more senior uh, off, street officer or investigator where I've worked with somebody that's newer and less experienced. And part of my job, it's your turn to train the new person and, and bring them up to, to snuff and, you know, we'll support you. But, you know, Greg did it last time. It's your turn this time. This is mm -hmm. part of your job. And sometimes, you know, you've done it. I remember somebody was put to work with me. This is just before I became a sergeant. And they said, listen, this person has a lot of possibilities, but they just need a, a little bit of uh, somebody a little bit more senior uh, just to kind of guide them a little bit. We worked together for three months and the person I started working with the first day and the person, you know, three months later was a totally different person. They just needed somebody that was a little older uh, uh, um, and, and somebody that had done a few things and we ended up working really, really well together. I didn't want to do it, but it was put to me. It's your turn. You've mm -hmm. had the training course, so you need to do this. And it's like, okay, fair enough. I'll do it. And it ended up being a really, really good experience. And it's happened multiple times in my career where somebody's specifically asked me to help bring somebody along. And it's like, that's cool. Okay. 
Yeah, and, and it really helps if your boss is someone who has one created opportunities for you in other spaces. Mm-hmm. So you trust them, mm-hmm. and then secondly, if they provide the context, the why. You know, we talk in all of our podcasts is you know whatever you're having a conversation with someone about taking something on or having a change and that type of thing, provide the context of why. Uh, and then definitely, if you've got a, a higher level of trust, the likelihood of being accepted is going to be a lot higher. If you haven't spent time getting to know people and building trust, then the likelihood of being accepted is going to be a lot lower. Well, in the scenario I just shared, uh, I was very pleased because they were very specific what their concerns were and what they wanted worked on, which was very helpful to me. I went, oh, okay, I have three months. Okay, that's fair enough. I've seen this person mm-hmm. out there working and interacting with people. What they're saying makes sense, and uh, it's really there's two people on the platoon that have enough time in and experience to be able to handle this, and, you know, Greg did it last time, so yes, it's my turn. But what I liked Mm. in this situation was they they just didn't throw somebody at me and said, fix it. They went, listen, these are specific concerns. This person, you know, off the charts, eager, you know, smart, uh, just needs a little bit of uh, uh, somebody just calming them down and getting them to think uh, a little clearer and a little bit more methodical what they're doing. Okay. And it worked out really, really well. It was a really good experience. Yeah, that's excellent. So um, wrap up, Greg. Yeah, I think it's just going back to what I started with saying that, you know, everything happens in between. So if you're a manager, your critical role is not only knowing your people individually, who they are, what they bring, what they're excited about, all those things. It's also how does the collective energy work and who do I need to put together and how do I need to provide a context? And then how do I create that shared purpose that we can all move towards the same area? And if you're an employee, it's about just knowing who I am and what do I need to grow and learn? Who is my circle that I can really develop my my strengths to to be better and contribute at my highest level? So just it's know yourself, know each other, and and uh, and build a plan to maximize our effectiveness. And that that begins with valuing and acknowledging both our similarities and our differences, and tapping into those things. Um, those are the best teams. And if you do that well, boy, your environment's going to be so much more positive, and you're going to feel a part of something bigger than yourself which is always what people are looking for in any community or organization that they're working for. By far, my uh, being in really good partnerships and on really good teams has been most of my careers. I have so much enjoyed uh, the people I've worked with and, and kind of the formations I've, I've worked in. I've only had a couple scenarios where it did not work out very well. And uh, I take my responsibility in, that, in those situations as well, that, of not speaking up or not taking the steps that I, I thought should have been taken but uh, this is something where you know it's so critical to what we do now some of the things i did you know there's a public safety or personal safety aspect to it so it becomes very critical that you you learn to work well together but in the the non-critical places that i work it's equally important to to get the job done and and for everybody to feel part of the team you know giving some thought to where you sit in this and where you want to be and as a leader or a manager uh, understanding your responsibilities and making sure you know your people, you understand the job that needs to get done in the processes. You know, maybe there's a, an organizational uh, policies and things for getting things done, but understanding how everything fits in and just doing your best. And as a manager, but also as an employee, we're going to make mistakes. But if we can have a good conversation about it, uh, one that you come into it genuine, uh, most of the times uh, 
number one, people are going to give each other a pass if they feel people are being genuine and, and being truthful and just trying to do the best thing. Um, I've, I've benefited so much from these circumstances. And a couple of times that I've removed myself from one of these circumstances, uh, it was done for the right reason and, and, and things worked out. But, uh, this is a critical thing in organizations that, uh, like if you work by yourself, that's great. And if that's what you like to do, that's great too. Uh, but if you have to work within, within a partnership and partnerships were probably my most important thing, but even in a small group, so, so good when it mm -hmm. works, it, you just know it, you know, people say, what is a good small group experience like? And we would probably all could give attributes to it, but the bottom line is, you know, when it's working well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, um, before we move on, Greg, Greg and I are in different places. I'm not feeling that great. And the, uh, I'm looking at the screen and over your left-hand shoulder is the painting you painted last week, I, I believe. Yes, it is. Yes. And over my right shoulder, the camera's pointing towards the wall of my home office, which I call the art wall. And one of my yeah. granddaughters, uh, every time she's over, she draws something or paints something or makes something and puts it up on my wall. So all I, all the whole time we've been talking, uh, I've been listening to you, of course, being attentive, but at the same time, I'm kind of chuckling to myself is there's an art motif to this, uh, podcast today. Like we don't usually, there is, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, We've got all this art kind of in the middle of the screens and uh, where the two screens meet. And uh, I just think it's kind of funny. Well, you know, there's always, we've always said, you know, as, as an individual, especially during the crunchy times that we're in, finding your space to explore. So mine is, mine right now is writing and painting. I, I haven't done it in a while and I'm doing it and it allows me to kind of escape and that type of thing. And I've seen pictures of you and your granddaughter sitting and doing things together and creating things together and again that's that's a way of just getting away from it all and be totally engrossed in something that's joyful and so whatever it is that you find that you can get totally engrossed in in a joyful way do it it's just a refresher and it'll it'll help you be a better leader or a better team member so yeah it's kind of cool but art i think you're right it's something that's pretty special she's she's pretty good i uh, that tree and that uh, i don't know that's a dog or whatever that yeah, is I, on think, the I think it's a christmas thing it's a card of some yeah. sort yeah, yeah but it's, it's funny because i'll be on a uh on a, on a call like a video call and people are just kind of looking at, and i don't say anything on purpose right it, i think it's hilarious right it's just like you know, there's this elephant in the room, although I don't think there's an elephant up there. And I just, I just, I just totally ignore it. And people are just kind of, you know, every once in a while you can see their eyes darting, uh, darting over to look at all this art up there. Like, is that Alistair? Because I don't know how good he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It it kind of provides a wider, wider view of us. I mean, since I was on a call the other day and someone was apologizing because they didn't have the blurriness on their, 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 uh, camera and i said oh you know what i actually prefer non-blurriness because it uh, gives me a sense of who you are and what's important to you and that kind of stuff so i said don't worry about it that's that's cool so. well you know what the word popped up as soon as you said that the word is setting and mm -hmm. quite often you know you will be you know, on a call whether it's work or whatever else you do and it's blurred out and to me it's it seems almost incomplete mm -hmm. and and just seeing the setting that you're working in I think it's hilarious, right? Because, yeah, you know, yeah. people have like a dog walks by or a cat ends up looking at the, the screen, whatever. It, it's all good. It's all good. But I just thought, uh, I was going to mention it in, in our beginning and I forgot. And then I'm sitting here and you're talking, I go, there's a certain art thing going on here. It's hilarious. Uh, one exactly. of us needs to take a screen grab of this. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, listen, folks, we hope that some of what we spoke about you found helpful. We hope we didn't say anything that you 
uh, found offensive or made you angry. Uh, Greg, your philosophy lands well in this episode again. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, my early coach had a great philosophy. She said, Greg, as we spend our time together, there's going to be times we're going to be talking that you're going to feel really good. Things that you've actually been working on and moving ahead with. And and there are going to be times when you're going to feel a little crunchy. Things that you might be annoyed with a conversation. And she just said for both of those emotional shifts that you feel in yourself, there are beautiful times to pause and reflect and see, is there anything in here I can learn? So we all hope uh, for each of our episodes, you might have had a little crunchiness and you might have had a little joy. And we hope that in both cases, you reflect and say, hmm, what's that telling me? And is there anything I want to learn and apply? And if there is so, do it. And if there isn't, just let it go. Um, shout out. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember if we've done this city, but it, it popped up on, on my on my feed there. So I'm, I'm just going to throw it out. Cairo, Egypt. Cairo. Wow. No, I, I, I do not believe we've had anyone from Egypt before that has been listening to us. I think uh, we had so. Alexandria once. Ah, you're right. I think you're we right. did. Yeah, I think you're right. You're I don't right. think Cairo. Well, well, welcome, Cairo. We really appreciate you uh, listening to us, and we hope that uh, – some of the things we're talking about are equally uh, valuable in your space as they are in ours. Cool, cool. Uh, remember, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Remember, folks, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They're an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>